This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, it's Ron. This episode was recorded before I launched Politicology when I hosted the Lincoln Project podcast on this feed. If you have questions, comments, or advice, you can reach us at podcast at politicology.com or find us online at politicology.com. Enjoy. Hello from the Lincoln Project. I'm Ron Steslow. Welcome back to our weekly roundup, where we bring in a rotating panel of experts to discuss the truth you need to know behind the most important stories of the week and how they impact the political landscape of this election. We have a great panel today with three of my fellow co-founders of the Lincoln Project, longtime Republican media consultant and author of the New York Times bestselling book, Everything Trump Touches Dies, Rick Wilson. Good morning, Rick. Hey, Ron, how are you? Doing good. Political strategist and MSNBC contributor who has worked with President George W. Bush, Senator John McCain, and Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, Steve Schmidt. Thanks for making the time again, Steve. Hi, good morning, Ron. Former political director of the California Republican Party and current advisor to the California Latino Economic Institute, Mike Madrid. Great to have you back on the show, Mike. Ron, it's always great to talk with you. On today's episode, we're going to talk about new Fox News polling and Trump's interviews with Chris Wallace and Dr. Mark Siegel. But first, I want to talk about what's going on in Portland and Trump's threats to deploy federal agents in cities around the country. Since early July, federal officers from the Department of Homeland Security, law enforcement agencies, and the U.S. Marshals have been deployed in Portland, Oregon, to protect federal buildings, according to the DHS. There are reports of officers detaining protesters in unmarked minivans, and they have remained in place despite calls from state and local officials for the federal government to remove them. And now, Trump plans to send a surge that's in air quotes, of federal forces to cities like Kansas City, Chicago, and Albuquerque. So, Rick, is there any rhyme or reason to the cities that the president has has referenced? Why those cities? Well, I think that Donald Trump's uh, idea here is is very simple. This is a warm-up act for 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 the coming attractions in the fall. Donald Trump is trying to stir as much chaos as he can he is trying to deploy uh, paramilitary forces. He may be deploying contractor forces, as Steve a- asked that question this morning, into these cities. He is doing everything he can to provide the Fox News audience and the Trump audience with this impression that that only he can, can stop the chaos on our streets by deploying uh, heavily armed uh, paramilitary forces under the command of Interior Minister Bill Barr and his deputy, Uber Gruppenführer Chad Wolf uh, across this country. This is a truly disturbing and truly uh, transgressive moment, and it really does require a massive public response. Steve, the top two officials at the Department of Homeland Security have not been confirmed by the Senate, and so how how dangerous is it? How should we be thinking about this that they're orchestrating all of this when they haven't even been scrutinized? Let's um back up for a second, Ron, and just talk about this holistically, because we are in a moment of profound danger for American liberty. That's that's what this represents. During the 2018 election, Trump and Trumpism were repudiated and the congressional majority flipped to the Democrats. But over the course of that summer, Donald Trump deployed active duty units of the most lethal military force in world history, United States Army, to the southern border to stop the caravan. Now, the caravan, which was depicted as an advancing panzer division on Fox News and OANN and other right-wing media, uh, was in fact helpless and desperate refugees and migrants. And the Trump theater, security theater played out and not enough people spoke out about the use of the United States military 
as a prop in Trump's absurd and dark political theater. So the first question we had to talk about with regard to these men in Portland is this, is who are they? Mm-hmm. Are there contractors amongst these federal agents? We know some of them are from the Bureau of Prisons. We know some of them are from a rapid response DHS force. We know some of them are, are U.S. Marshals. Now, let's be clear about something. Law and order is important. We, we don't want to live in a lawless society. And there has, there has been violence in these protests. And, and there's no one involved with the Lincoln Project that wants to see federal courthouses defaced with graffiti. And it would be totally appropriate to use federal agents to secure the perimeters of federal property to protect the property. That's not what we see here. The first thing we see is men clad in camouflage head to toe, carrying M4 assault rifles uh, with maximum combat packages and clips, including suppressors on the M4s, loosing violence against moms and American citizens. And it's dark, it's frightening, it's scary. This is state-ordered violence for the purpose of causing chaos. Trump has come to the conclusion that chaos is his only way forward. It's his only way to win. And why is that? Well, it's because his an incompetence and ineptitude and mismanagement of COVID-19 has killed 142,000 Americans. Hundreds of thousands of more will be dead before it's over. It shattered the economy. It crushed the dreams of Americans who worked their whole lives to build businesses and restaurants. It crushed the dreams of our kids who aren't going to be going back to school, or if they do go back to school, are going to see the schools closed again because this virus is raging out of control. So so Trump, abetted by a vast propaganda machine, is performing the next evolution of security theater. And now it's spreading out all over the country. So Bill Barr is America's first thug. The Attorney General of the United States, Chief Law Enforcement Officer in the country, is functioning, as Rick pointed out, as Interior Minister of Trumpistan, a third-rate thugocracy. And Chad Wolf, the Acting Secretary of Homeland Security, this man is a former Hill staffer, a lobbyist with no law enforcement training at all, no military background at all. And this is the man who was running the department that was once headed by Michael Chertoff and Tom Ridge, accomplished patriotic Americans. And really, he is now the American Ernst Rome. These are the Sturman Battalion. This is the SA. This is about politics. It's political thuggery for performance as an election strategy on the streets. This is a dark, dangerous and illiberal moment. And we should understand a couple of things. We we can't tolerate this in the United States of America. And when this is over and he's defeated, there's so much work to be done, right? And, And there's a long list of priorities. We need to see a Voting Rights Act, a Civil Rights Act, an election security act. We need foreign interference and influence gone from our elections and gone from our congressional committees, which is what Ron Johnson is doing, is soliciting Russian and Ukrainian intelligence to use his dirt on his political opponent. But the Department of Homeland Security was always terribly named. It is an illiberal name in a democratic society And this department has fulfilled the fears of every person who was farsighted enough at its inception to look down the road and say that this will become a threat to liberty. There should be an absolute ban on federal law enforcement of any type wearing camouflage like they're about to deploy to Afghanistan or Iraq as the 82nd Airborne. It should be forbidden in this country. 
They should not be out there with M4s, with suppressors clad for war. Under no circumstances should there be contractors amongst federal law enforcement inflicting violence on the American people. And and lastly, this agency, this department should be broken up. It should be fundamentally reorganized. 20 years ago, in the aftermath of 9-11, we put together an illiberal government agency that has metastasized into something that's profoundly dangerous. And a generation later, it's time to end it, break up its component parts, and never, ever, ever again should law enforcement agencies be under the control of acting secretary anyone, particularly one who is serving using security forces to abet his political master's interests in an election in November that the guy is losing badly. Nobody should underestimate how deeply dangerous this moment is. I cannot believe at 49 years old that I'm witnessing this play out in the United States of America as if I'm watching some dystopian series on Netflix or Amazon or Apple TV. It is disgusting and we must not stand for it. You know, Ron, uh, uh, there's a, there's a, a, and Steve is, Steve, well, it was a perfect and passionate condemnation of what's going on. It was right on point. There is a question about the, the, this. If you suck this view back to 30,000 feet, oh, I'm, I'm speaking of 30,000 feet, by the way, DHS owned spy planes and drones are circling Portland. Whoa. They're not armed drones, but they're surveillance drones. They've got a wow. spy plane circling Portland that is picking up the cell phone data of every person protesting. This is not America, as David Bowie once said. This is a country that is slipping very quickly. Who knows what that data is going to be done? Who's, what's going to happen with that data? I don't trust Chad Wolf, the acting temporary pseudo kind of provisional secretary of Homeland Security, with any of this. And if you pull back to 30,000 feet, this is also a fundamental betrayal of central conservative principles. You know, conservatives once claimed that they were afraid of the encroaching power of the state, that they were afraid that a centralized federal government would grow in such in such power and capacity that it would impinge on liberties. If Barack Obama had ordered this to go break up a group of boogaloo boys, or if Barack Obama had ordered this to go and and uh, in the response to say a mass shooting and started to, to to deploy troops into the into the cities to try to 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 uh, seize people's guns, Republicans would be losing their damn minds. This is a president who has broken what used to be a great political party and converted them into cheerleaders for incipient fascism. It is an astounding collapse of the of, of what used to be a fundamental set of Republican principles was that local control was fundamental to our governance, was that it went from local to state to federal, and that federal was, was narrowly constrained by the Constitution, and that we had to always be careful not to let it get out of control, that it was always a risk factor. And you know what? Donald Trump has proven that caution correct. And it's, it's, a, it's a searing and horrible irony that we're watching our country fall apart into the arms of fascism because of a supposedly conservative party embracing an authoritarian nationalist. Rick, you've spent time at Homeland Security, I believe. A yes. DOD. A DOD. Okay. So I got a tip yesterday from a friend in the intelligence community who noted that there is a uh, intelligence community directive, number 112, uh, which is signed by the, the, by the DNI, uh, that clearly directs people handling U.S. persons' information to report to Congress no later than 30 days. Yeah. Do you, now, now, I understand that you know, intelligence community directives are sort of the IC's way of regulating themselves. Uh, and and the, and and it, they may serve more as as guidelines than than law or than statute. But do you think we'll actually see that kind of oversight from Congress? Uh, I I don't think we'll see anything even remotely like that. I think Chad Wolf will follow the administration and the bar playbook, extend a middle finger to Congress, and when Congress squawks about it, they're going to say "f you." What are you going to do about it? Yeah, that's that's what's that. I, I hate to be cynical, but that's what's going to happen. 
American liberty is under is under assault here. And there are there are a few friends of liberty in the United States Congress who have an R next to their name. Uh, we, we've seen a couple who have talked about how alarming this is, but mostly we've seen silent acquiescence. And again, the, the idea that there needs to be occupation forces sent to America's cities. So Donald Trump is trying to break this country in two. Be clear about that. His entire strategy is been through his entire presidency, the stoking of a cold civil war that's now turning hot. The, the loosing of federal violence against the American people destroys America's moral authority in the world. How do we look different from the crackdown in Tiananmen Square to your average person in a country that hopes and yearns and deeply believes in the American ideas and ideals of freedom that have inspired people from all over the world? Where are the patriots who will stand up against this and say, stop it? Not here, not now, not in this land, not ever. Have we ever seen anything like this? Uh, what would you compare this to in the history of America, if anything? You have seen you have seen violence that has been disproportionate. You saw the attack in one of the dark hours of his long career by Douglas MacArthur on the bonus marchers in Washington in the 1930s. You have seen chaos in America's streets, whether it was riots in 1965 in, in Watts or more politicized violence in Chicago in 1968. Um, we've seen it before. But what we have never seen before is a president and his co-conspirators inventing threats for the willful premeditated purpose of sending federal troops for a political purpose about a failing president's reelection to drive a narrative about chaos that's reported in a vast propaganda machine in a feedback loop. The threat is conjured and imagined in the fevered swamps of the Fox News writing rooms broadcast to the American people, seen by the president as he's eating his cheeseburger and chocolate cake, staring at televisions at 10 o'clock at night, and then followed up on with illegal orders to unqualified, incompetent thugs who have no business in any position of responsibility in the federal government. Mike, I want to give you a, an opportunity to, to jump in here. Um, Steve, no pressure, out, Mike. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to follow up with, fellas. But but, but but let me, Ron, if I might, I think Please. I think it would be helpful because what we're what we're hearing from from both Rick and Steve is is not just completely accurate and also not alarmingly um, prescient. But what I think I want to do is is explain a little bit of the of the political context domestically within which we find this fight developing. And, and again, th this threat is very real. That's what I think Americans need to take away from this. It is happening in real time. Trumpism requires uh, opposition and it requires blame. And fundamentally, it does not stand for anything. It stands against something. And we have seen it stand against Mexicans. We have seen it stand against the Chinese. We have seen it stand against uh, African-Americans. We've seen it stand against the media and Democrats and everything. Now, now we are witnessing its turn directly on our own soil against itself, which I agree with Steve. This is all premeditated. This is all the next step in a long string of, of a devolvement into internal strife and a splitting of this country. We saw whiffs of it when he would blame blue states and blue Democratic governors. It's now focusing on Democratic mayors. And th to bring the conflict, which is being stoked, because there will be a, there will be a response. There, people will take to the streets to protest. There will be an aggressive response to that by these, by these unknown federal officials. And that is precisely what is being uh, stirred up for political purposes. Donald Trump is losing badly in the suburbs. 
by a 20-point margin, I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the polling in a little bit, but by a very significant margin, a Republican, which has is losing the suburbs, which which has always been the keystone for Republican victories. He's losing them. He's losing them badly. And he's going to have to gin up a conflict in order to scare Americans back into the fold, or rather Republicans back into the fold with this law and order message. He needs conflict. He must have something to stand against. We are entering a phase where that standing against is our neighbors, our community leaders, and those that are seeking a voice in this American democratic system um, opposing what is clearly a move towards authoritarianism. So this, in a political context, this all makes perfect sense when you recognize that he is hemorrhaging support from his own base. He requires, he must have an opposition. He must draw contrast. He must have somebody or some bodies to point the finger at and blame them for this demise and this chaos which within which he is he which he has created it is a it is it is wholly a creation of his own uh paranoia a a, a a creation of his own loss of political standing and it is i believe at this moment an obligation for everybody to not only stay more focused and attentive but be prepared to take a stand because we are entering a very challenging summer and fall in America here in 2020. I want to um, talk, if I can, for a second about a um, German, I think he was a Lutheran pastor, Martin Niemöller. Mm -hmm. And Martin Niemöller wrote a famous text. And, and by memory, I I think it's, it's this. It's first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. And then they came for the trade unionists, but I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. This is what we are witnessing unacceptable in the United States of America. It is unacceptable. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory— Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is state-sanctioned, state-ordered, presidentially ordered, interior minister slash attorney general ordered, an unconfirmed Secretary, Acting Secretary of Homeland Security order, violence. And somebody needs to explain to me, who's smarter than me, how what I'm watching in these cities by these armed to the teeth, camouflaged federal thugs is anything different than the SA operating in 1925 Berlin or 1934 Berlin. The only thing missing is the brown shirts. And this country better wake up to the threat to American democracy. Ronald Reagan was right when he said, liberty is always one generation away from being extinguished. And Abraham Lincoln was right when he said that the threat to the United States, to our survival, will not ever come from outside of our shores, but from within our land. And that's the hour we stand at now. This is this is as dark and dangerous a moment, and there's already too, too much hyperbole in American politics. I, I'm being very conscious about what I'm saying here, being very intentional. Uh, I'm not being inflammatory, being purposeful. This is a profoundly dangerous hour in every American, and I don't care if you're a Bernie bro, I don't care if you're a conservative, a moderate, a left-handed vegetarian socialist. Every American who has any attachment to the idea that this is a nation of the rule of law, that is fidelitous to the constitutional republic, must not remain silent at this hour. Must not.
So to round out this topic, what would you say to suburban voters who are thinking about voting for Trump because they're concerned about protests and law and order? Or what would you say to the folks who obviously agree with everything that's been said in the last 20 minutes and don't know what they can do other than vote? What you're seeing in Portland is not law and order. That's lawlessness. That's state-sanctioned violence. And so let me tell you something. If, if somebody goes and defaces a federal courthouse with graffiti, you don't want me on the jury if it goes to a criminal trial. I would be tough with it. And if I was the mayor of Portland, I wouldn't stand for it. If I was the mayor of Seattle, there would be no autonomous zone in my city. There would be no abandoning of the police department. But all of this is the province of state, county, and local authorities. That's how this country works. If you want to put up a federal perimeter of U.S. Marshals to protect the federal courthouse, from graffiti and broken windows, I'm all for it. But they should not leave the perimeter of that courthouse. They should not be operating on the streets of Portland. They should not be clad head to toe in camouflage, carrying suppressed M4 rifles and snatching people up off the street and stuffing them into white unmarked rental cars. There are no insignias on the uniforms. There are no identifying markers on the uniforms. We have no idea who these people are. We have no idea if there are contractors amongst them. This is wholesale unacceptable in this country. Unacceptable. On Sunday, Fox News aired an interview with President Trump and Chris Wallace, in which Trump seemed rattled by some new polling numbers. Not only did Biden have a 49-41 lead among voters in who they would choose for president, Biden held the lead about candidates having the traits to serve effectively, like compassion, intelligence, judgment, and mental soundness. This prompted Trump to tout that he had aced his cognitive assessment. Uh, this, <laughs> this test, which is called the, the Montreal Cognitive Assessment Test, is a tool for assessing cognitive impairment and screening for illnesses like Alzheimer's disease, ALS, multiple sclerosis, and head trauma. And according to the neurologist who created the test, uh, Ziad Nasraddin, a high score rules out cognitive impairment, but that's it. Mike, Trump went on about this in another interview on Wednesday with Mark Siegel on Fox. Uh, it, it seems like he couldn't let it go. So why is he so obsessed with this test? And feel free to dig into the numbers a bit. I know those are some national poll numbers and we're not really paying attention to those and voters shouldn't pay attention to those. But what, what do you have to say? There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, so let's start with the, the two main ones, and I'll get to the polling in just a second. But it, 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 it bears discussing the simple fact that we are talking about the president of the United States taking a cognitive test and not being honest and upfront about it. Not just him, but those surrounding him should be a cause for great alarm at this moment as well. Um, Set aside for a moment the fact that he is his bragging about his how, how well he is scoring on 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 his his ability to recall the names of animals and uh, whether or not he can or can't do basic subtraction. The fact that he was given a cognitive test happened for a reason. It could be because his physicians or those around him sense uh, um, a rising dementia. It could be a function of stroke or some sort of uh, affect to his, his brain. Something is not right, and the president is not well. The rest we can discuss beyond that, but we do have, I think, uh, we are owed. We are owed a, an explanation about the mental capacity and the cognitive functioning of the commander-in-chief and the leader of this country. We're owed that. Okay, so let's leave the polling aside for a second, then. Let's focus just on this piece. So, Rick... Trump, he's tried to refocus the entire campaign on mental status, and he's been going after Biden because of that. So uh, why is this backfiring? Because Trump is deranged, incompetent. Uh, and I mean that not in the in the typical managerial sense, but I'm in the in the sense that Donald Trump has a mental disease or disorder, which renders him incapable of judgment, rational thought, uh, normative behavior. Uh, and, and and any of the basic things we would expect for the man who has control of the America's nuclear arsenal. This is a man who is sick. 
This is a man who has something wrong with him. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. But I can tell you, I don't have to be a doctor to know that Donald Trump has significant impairment. I don't know what causes it. I don't know what it's about. But you can always tell when Donald Trump attacks someone, it's always projection. It's always projection. So when he attacks Joe Biden for being for being in mental decline, it is because he feels the icy chill of dementia creeping up his own into his own faculties. It is because he knows that he is not capable of processing information at a rate and a, at a depth that is required for the president of the United States. He is clinging to the scam that he has run for the long time, for a long time, trying to convince others that he's mentally uh, acute to try to convince others that he has the ability to do this job. He clearly does not. And so that's why he's attacking Biden on this front. It should, I mean, people need to remember this. Launching nuclear weapons is actually surprisingly easy for any president. Mm. There's very little friction in the system. And Donald Trump is insane. So vote in November like the fate of the world and not being submerged in a sea of radioactive fire depends on it. Yeah. A couple of of points there. Um, Please. I'm not sure... Who it? Um, I I think it was Justice Potter Stewart. So, what do you guys correct me if I'm wrong? It, you're you're right. Uh, on the, no, when you see it, no, so it's like saying about pornography. I know it when I see it. And so, right when when you look at Donald Trump, right, the impairment is obvious. Right, he is he he speaks nonsense talk. It's disjointed. He 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 routinely slurs his words, loses his train of thought. He's clearly impaired, um, clearly impaired. And, and we know, um, and, and this is the thing, right? And, 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 and one thing that has been a shame in this whole era, because, you know, it, it's like skin cancer, right? If you, if you have a little skin cancer on you, you, you go to the dermatologist, providing it's not a melanoma, you get it, you get it sliced off, you're fine. But, but do nothing about it. And it, and it will kill you. And so going back to the first lie, right, um, about his crowd size. Yeah. Why did that matter? Right. Well, it mattered. Right. Because it was a lie of authority. Right. It, it demanded. Right. That you subordinate your agency, your free will, what you see with your own eyes to believe that the crowd size that was clearly smaller was, in fact, bigger. Right. He redefined truth. What what the what the definition of truth is in the Trump era is what the leader says is true, which has nothing to do with with truth. Right. So then so then the second thing is we get into we get into his medical history. So, you know, the the official White House report is that Donald Trump weighs. What is it? Two hundred thirty five pounds. Two thirty nine. Two thirty nine. Well, that's an obvious lie. Obviously a lie. I mean, he's he's right around three hundred pounds at least. Yeah, right. Six three, profoundly right? obese. Yeah, right. So it's the accumulation of small lies that lead up to bigger things. And to Rick's point, everything in the federal system is designed to go slow, except for one thing, and that's the launch of nuclear weapons on the command of the president of the United States. And so the threat from nuclear exchanges is diminished from what it was in the Cold War. We don't hide under our, we don't have our kids hide under the desks in the school practicing, right, um, to avoid a nuclear attack. They, they do that now to practice for the gunmen, right, that, that's coming to too many schools. But this man is adult, and, and clearly so. And so... First off, when you look at the Chris Wallace interview, somebody should give Chris Wallace a medal. And, and every reporter, whoever interviews him again, should watch that Chris Wallace interview 25 times. Yeah. You know, we saw we saw another network reporter nodding like a bobblehead earlier in the week as he spouted nonsense and lies and more lies. And Chris Wallace held him to account, stripped him bare. And we saw exactly who the imbecile is that sits behind the Resolute desk in the Oval Office. And again, I don't use the word imbecile to 
be clever to name call. It gives me no pleasure. But that's the word in the English language we have to describe this man's behavior, the behavior of a man who in this pandemic told us it would go away by magic, who told us that he wanted to see if researching injecting disinfectants would cure it. it it's madness nonstop that we have been desensitized to. But, but he is a, he is a, a toxic mix of insanity, depravity, amorality, stupidity, avarice, malice, ineptitude, incompetence. And he has brought this country to its knees. He's wrecked it. He's done more damage to this country than, than any person in the history of the country, with the possible exceptions of Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson and the other Confederate traitors he venerates. On top of all of that, he is very clearly, easily, and obviously triggered by any poll numbers that are unflattering to him. So, Mike, is he right? Is the campaign right to be to be to be worried about these numbers? And obviously, that's you know sort of what's causing him to lash out. Look, if there is a lot of uh, reason to be concerned if you're you know in a professional capacity looking to run the re-election effort for the president uh, of the United States at this point in time the fundamentals are not good history history would suggest that this race is going to close back up that it will tighten back up as voters focus more and more on the choice before them the data and the fundamentals may say something different and we are at a peculiar time in, in, in polling and public opinion and research where a hundred days out from the election, we are watching this base of support that the president has um, soften, I think is a kind word for it. There is, there is an erosion and it is broad based and it is deep. There is a reason why states like Alaska are, are being considered as a battleground state. There's a reason why the polling in Texas is in the low single digits and in most instances showing Joe Biden up. There's a reason why Georgia is looking extremely competitive for uh, Joe Biden. There's a reason why Arizona is looking more and more competitive for Joe Biden. And it's because the, the erosion in his support at this moment in time is, is, is real. Uh, whether it's lasting is another consideration, but but here's why it is happening, and here's why it is happening now. Every president is tested at some moment in time. In many ways, we are blessed to uh, have not had the type of of testing of this president's uh, competency, uh, managerial ability, and cognitive ability to handle a crisis until three and a half years into his presidency. Okay, if if it had happened, something either foreign or domestic, something like a pandemic or 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 or, or a threat from abroad earlier, the the last three and a half years, as difficult as they have been on this country's constitution, and I mean how we are constituted, not our document, I, I think would 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 put us in even worse position than than we already are. But but here we are, three and a half years into it, we're faced with a pandemic completely mismanaged, and for the first time. A lot of people have been unable to dismiss the uh, peculiarities of Donald Trump, and, and, and the, the oh, it's just Trump being Trump can't be shrugged off. People are dying. Neighbors are getting sick. Uh, our people are out of work. There is racial strife that he is stoking uh, rising in the streets. The streets are speaking to this country, to this presidency, and, and to all of us, and his unique inability to unite the country is now reflected in public opinion surveys. He's losing Republican support amongst the college educated at an unprecedented pace. There is a direct correlation between how educated you are and your disdain for Donald Trump. It's just, it's the clear straight line. There is also erosion amongst seniors 65 plus where Joe Biden in the latest round of survey this week is up nine points. A Democrat has not won the 65-plus vote since the 1940s. So there's an, ex an extraordinary shift 
amongst people, the demographic most likely to be afflicted by and die of the COVID situation, the COVID pandemic. And then third, and lastly, what I find most remarkable is you are seeing by a considerable margin, not just Americans generally, but Republicans specifically finding the president of their own party unqualified to handle the racial strife that has risen to a a boiling point in this country. Republican attitudes on race are changing, and they are changing swiftly, and they are changing dramatically. And the president of the United States finds himself on the wrong side of the state of Mississippi, on the wrong side of NASCAR, on the uh, deeply on the wrong side of public opinion uh, on issues like the Confederacy and the Confederate flag. So his his old playbook, which has worked for 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 presidents in the past, does not work. And it's why this pivot again back to this need for conflict is arising so dangerously and so directly at this time. I remember this quote by John Lewis. I've always loved it. And he said that race is too heavy a burden for us to carry into the 21st century, that we all arrived here on different ships, but we're all in the same boat now. And we are. And I think that there is a great movement in this country with regard to race and racism and I, I I admit I you know I I come from the Jack Hemp wing of the Republican Party. He was, he was my favorite person that I've ever met in my political career. He marched with Dr. King. You know, I grew up in New Jersey. I had no affinity for the Confederacy, and you know, my years in politics in California when I ran Arnold Schwarzenegger's campaign, as you know, Mike, we got forty percent of the Latino vote. We courted the African-American community. We have 27% of the black vote and was, was really proud of that. Um, but, but I think what you're, what you're seeing now is just a wholesale rejection of this. It's bullshit and it's unjust and it's unfair and enough is enough with it. It's time to put it down and it's time to stand for the proposition that in this country, freedom means freedom for everybody, right? Just because of the color of your skin, you shouldn't be shot, harassed, need on, murdered by the police. We all came from the wing of the party that talked about the urgent necessity to reach out to all people, right? And yeah. and, and and we yeah. believe that genuinely in our hearts, but man, were we naive about the racial animus that is teeming below the surface of the Republican Party that is, that is culturally so deeply a part of this evangelical Christian uh, authoritarian political movement. And I'm not talking about sincere, you know, I, I think a guy in this country is literally a, a saint is Pete Wainer. He's a, he's a devout evangelical, a brilliant man, a friend, a writer. I'm talking about the pastor Paula and the other crazy pastors that yeah, the charlatans. are going to be standing up with these charlatans, these, uh, you the know, ones who've uh, betrayed their flocks for for power and money right, and influence right. and, with the administration. And, yeah, and so it's it's just, it, it, but but that that's not a majority of the country, right? Right, right. It, it may be thirty percent of the country, thirty five. It's a it's a shockingly high number. You know, if you thought that we were moving forward on this, it's just all out there now, in yeah. the in the open. But but the country's going to reject it and put it down, and we got we got to bury this shit. Under a under a type of concrete that they sealed the Chernobyl disaster with. We got, it's time to put it down, and and the first victory in that new battle is going to be the massive repudiation of this vile president in November. So that's a good segue to COVID. And let me just set the table with you know where we stand right now, and then uh, and then let's dig into this. But there was uh, another polling number from Fox News that seemed to stifle. Uh, Trump uh, on the coronavirus, which is that 51% of voters say that the coronavirus is not at all under control. In their Sunday interview, Trump told Wallace that the US has the, and I quote, best mortality rate in the world. Later in the week, he again claimed that the fatality rate was lower than most of the world. And despite Trump's claims, the US saw back-to-back days with over a thousand COVID deaths as we record right now. That may be 
three consecutive days when this episode is released. So, and, and according to CNN, the U.S. is eighth worst in the world in terms of coronavirus deaths per capita, and Johns Hopkins places the U.S. third in coronavirus deaths per capita among the 20 most affected countries. So, Steve, the data doesn't line up with what the president is saying. Beyond being an easy target for pundits on cable news, what does this mean for the American people? It means the American people are in big trouble because they have a mendacious president who is completely out of his depth in handling this. I mean, he has put on a clinic of incompetence that is carved in granite for the ages. You think about the greatness of Abraham Lincoln and think about its opposite act, the incompetence of this president. It, it means, right, that, that, that there's a level of suffering and death in this country that's going to be before it's over, hard for any of us to really wrap our heads around. We're going we're to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dead Americans more. Um, we're going to get to a number that looks a lot closer to a million than it does to 100,000 before it's all over. And remember, you know, all the scientists talk about that it's the second wave of a pandemic that's the more dangerous one, and we can't get out of the first one. Yeah. And he has, he has let loose a national insanity. We got 25, 30% of the country doesn't believe in vaccines. We got 25, 30% that thinks it's a assault on their liberties, that they have to wear a mask, forgetting any sense of in a democracy that you have obligations and responsibilities to each other. Now, none of these crazy people, by the way, will think that the armed federal stormtroopers are a threat to liberty, but wearing a mask is. I went fishing this week and was out on a boat and, you know, was, was with the guy was a mate on the boat. He was a nice guy, um, had his MAGA hat, you know, but he made clear, he said that the coronavirus is going to disappear on Election Day. It's all a hoax. It's oh a media hoax. Oh, my God. And so Trump has injected a level of poison into this country. And you look at the whack jobs that surround him, right? This Mike Cernanovich, inventor of the Pizzagate theory. Oh a, um, a, former, a, a former guy who, who uh, once said that it was impossible to rape a woman. Uh, he was a men's rights activist. Uh and, 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 you know, very proximate to the alt-right assholes. Um, you know, Laura Ingram hawking hydrochloroquine on the, on the show, right? And you, you can literally, and people have done this, right? Depending on what Fox show you watch, right? You can establish a link to your chances of catching and being killed by coronavirus, right? You know, it just depends on what level of irresponsibility from the denying hosts. We have a mass in this country now the, the fundamental political question for the majority of us, right, which is why we all need to be in a coalition, right? I don't agree with Bernie Sanders on very much, but I have no reason to believe that Bernie Sanders doesn't believe in the American Constitution. And that's enough for me, right? So we need to have a vast coalition in this country that comes together that has strong differences on a lot of issues. But that coalition far outnumbers the 30 to 35 percent of crazy people who have us all hostage in a death call. And that's what it is. Right. There, there's no negotiation. There's no rationalization. There's nothing you can do to convince these people. And they have achieved as a minority political power. They're part of a call of personality venerating someone who's literally the most despicable person in the country. Mike, there's uh, been a dramatic decline in how people in the United States see the response to the coronavirus. Uh, in June, 60% of Americans said that the coronavirus was completely, mostly, or somewhat under control. And that number has dropped to 47% nationally. So how is this impacting voters across the country and in swing states specifically? Are they finally starting to get it that Donald Trump is just dangerously wrong about everything when it comes to this pandemic? Yes, they are. And when we look back at this uh, you know, race, regardless of the outcome, March 15th is going to hold uh, a, a particularly unique place because that was the time when we started to witness the erosion of Trump's base that had held firm for so long through so much chaos and so much lying and so much uh, political theater. It was the moment when Donald Trump started to have daily press conferences and show in full display his own incompetence, his own mismanagement, 
and Americans began to realize that this P.T. Barnum style, you know, figure is is actually in charge of the lives of tens of thousands of Americans. And this is it got real. Shit got real quick. And that was when you started to that's when you started to see the decline of support. And it has been a slow, um, in many cases, a slow uh, um, trajectory downward to where we sit today at about a 37, 38% floor. It is the lowest of his presidency. And COVID infections are just beginning to spike. Death numbers are just about to increase dramatically in Sunbelt states. A lot of the border uh, battleground states that he has needed for his reelection are just entering this phase of 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 pandemic that uh if history again as a guide is likely to push those support levels downward but here's the point the main thematic that runs through every part of the republican coalition whether it's evangelicals and voters of faith which he's lost support in whether it's seniors 65 plus whether it is college educated voters and now even uh, as we're cutting into the bone with non-college educated white males, every response in every national poll suggests that it is the incompetence and mismanagement of the pandemic, which has undermined the confidence of people to believe he is fit for this job. It is the one thing that has finally tipped even Trump voters and Fox News viewers to the point of saying, I can no longer deny what my eyes and ears are telling me. And this guy's not fit to be in the position that he's in. Rick, this is uh, hardly the first time that the Trump administration uh, or the Trump family has been out of touch with the American people. And last week, they launched their Find Something New campaign in which Ivanka Trump encouraged unemployed people to pick up new skills, to simply find a new job during a global pandemic and, and high unemployment. Do they have any sense of what the American public wants or needs, or are, are they even thinking about what the American public wants or needs right now? These people, <clears throat> these people are so lavishly out of touch with the economic and, and human toll of Donald Trump's incompetence, and they are such privileged and pampered and utterly unqualified that we're, they wouldn't. You look, you wouldn't hire Jared Kushner to work in the White House at the level he works. Uh, you would hire him to work in the mailroom on a good day. This is a guy who is absolutely out of his depth. Ivanka is her father's sociopathy wrapped up in pretty blonde package. This is not, I mean, this this idea of find something new, this chipper little thing, we caught that in a, in a very big ad here with Lincoln Project, obviously, that that really enraged the White House a lot. And it's led to a week of, of the White House trying to launch uh, media attacks on us. Because it rattled <clears throat> Ivanka Trump so badly that the Friday it launched led to a wildly uh, disproportionate panic drill over the weekend for the entire Trump campaign because we heard Ivanka's little feelings. Well, you know, I think collectively, and I know certainly speaking for myself, my response to find something new is go fuck yourself. This person is, is flippantly... Uh, talking to Americans who can barely pay their rent and mortgages, who can barely feed their kids because of the economic damage her father caused. And to just say, find something new, like a throwaway, it's revolting. It is utterly revolting. Yeah, it sure, it sure is. It, it really, truly is. Couldn't, couldn't be more profoundly out of touch. Um, and these, these people have no business in the offices they occupy, they're the unqualified idiot children and in-law children of a demented president. And the whole grifter family needs to be sent, sent packing um, and turned out, of, turned out of power. Just 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 appalling moment. And the insensitivity, the lack of caring, um, you know, people... People who've never worked an hour in their life, you know, soft-handed son-in-law, entitled daughter, grifting son. It's just, it's just, it's just incredible. And um, 
They they are they are truly a rancid family, really are. All right, let's turn to the week ahead um, as we prepare. Uh, what are the stories you all are watching, Rick? What what are you taking a look at this week? Well, look, I'm going to continue to watch what's happening uh, on our on the streets of this this country as Donald Trump deploys more and more of these paramilitary units out into the into the the the, the war zone he's trying to create. Um, I think that is an enormously dangerous moment for this country. I also am going to be watching the the decisions that are going to come down this week. Uh, in terms of whether the Senate is going to actually provide any kind of meaningful support for Americans uh, who are suffering under under the weight of COVID. Uh, and I think we're going to keep a very close eye on that because Mitch McConnell suddenly found fiscal discipline when it comes to providing Americans with relief. Um, but he's perfectly willing to continue, you know, multi-trillion dollar uh, things like the Fed liquidity into the, uh, into the Wall Street and the hedge fund market. Yeah, yeah. Steve, what are you watching this week? First story I'm going to be watching is the creeping authoritarianism that's really not creeping anymore. It's spreading like pancreatic cancer. Uh, the fascistic enterprise we're seeing underway with these federal thugs in, in America's cities. We're, we're at a really dangerous moment. And, um, and, and, and what I'd say is that um, is the American people need to be paying attention right now to this. We, we can't stand for it in this country. And the second thing, and if I sound angry about this, it, it's because I am deeply. And I'm not one to make a blanket statement, you know, calling out the entirety of the White House press corps um, because there's so many good reporters in, it, in there that have done such a good job. And I, I don't understand what the issue is. You know, maybe it is that the place is so clamped down, right, that there's an, that they're just unable to get a question at at Trump. Um, I, I think Chris Wallace did a perfect interview. But for one thing, when is someone going to ask a fucking question about the Russian bounties to Donald Trump that have been placed on the heads of our fighting men and women and have actually been paid? And then the president turns around and fights for Russian interests, tries to get them readmitted to the G7 pulls troops out of Germany, it's outrageous. And and I, I it is an unbelievable moment. And I understand the frenetic pace of his various desecrations against the American people, his office, his lawlessness, his lying. I understand that there's a lot of targets out there, but somebody needs to stand up and ask the question. Mike, what are you going to be looking at this week? So for the past month, I have been um, saying quite loudly that the last week of July and the first week of August will be determinative weeks in the outcomes of this election. And here's why it will be the moment where, uh, the COVID infection rates in key red States will, um, hit a, a point of, um, it's where the death rates and the infection rates will both meet at an inflection point. And we're going to start seeing new numbers coming out on the number of Americans who have lost their lives due to this incompetence, the incompetency of the Trump administration. And that, uh, from what we have seen over the course of the past three months, is is determinative in how people view this Trump presidency and, and really tests this theory that Trump has had that he could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and not lose a single supporter. Well, we're at that moment. He's his incompetence, his actions has led to the death of Americans. This week, this week is when those death rates in these overcapacity hospitals throughout the Sun Belt are going to start spiking upwards. Local news will be dominated by uh, the, the, the concerns and overflowing of emergency rooms in Arizona, in Texas, in Florida, and in a growing number of red states. And that, I believe, is where this significant shift in public opinion is most likely to take place. So for this week, the thing to focus on, politically speaking, and of course, uh, with great trepidation because of what it means to the lives of, 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 our, of our fellow men and women in this country, is to watch that inflection point between deaths and infection rates on the COVID, uh, COVID crisis. I just want to add one other story because we get a lot of questions on security of ballots and, and election tampering from our listeners on our town halls and, and from our grassroots supporters of the Lincoln Project. And NPR found at least 65,000 absentee ballots 
have been rejected because they arrived after the deadline. And the worst part is that it was often through no fault of the voter. So I know that we're all very aware of the liabilities going into November. And I, I just, I, I want to throw out that I'm, I'm watching that very carefully. This episode was recorded when I hosted the Lincoln Project podcast on this feed. If you have any questions or advice, you can reach us at podcast at politicology.com. And please know that even if we don't respond, we read every email we get and we love hearing from you. If you enjoy the show, it would help us if you could rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Ron Steslow. I'll see you in the next episode.